Welcome to Talking Property, where you get the inside information into what's going on in the Australian and Asian property markets from leading property and investment experts. Welcome to Australian Property Journal's Talking Property podcast. I'm Nelson Yap, editor and publisher of APJ. My guest today is Nick Bullock, the Chief Investment Officer of MaxCap New Zealand. Welcome, Nick, to Australian Property Journal's Talking Property podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, Nick, um, tell us a bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, sure. So I'm um, uh, just recently moved uh, myself and the family back to New Zealand uh, to take on the role of um, CIO for MaxCap New Zealand. Uh, Previous to that, Mm -hmm. I've lived in uh, largely in Sydney for the best part of 16, 17 years um, working in, in property finance. So worked in other non-bank organisations in Sydney, um, plus also spent some time with an investment bank in London as well during the GFC. So um, yeah, took the, took the opportunity to relocate. I'm a very staunch Kiwi, as most of my Australian friends will know. Um, I've got three <laughs> young children, so took the opportunity to um, relocate back to New Zealand and, and take up this opportunity with MaxCat, which is very exciting in the in the New Zealand market at the moment, which I'm sure we'll cover. Tell us about um, the expansion of MaxCat into that uh, market. Yeah, so MaxCat's been in the New Zealand market since 2019, and it was set up as a joint venture between MaxCat Australia, uh, which is obviously firmly entrenched in the um, Australian landscape, um, but also a uh, so it was between MaxCap Australia, Bailey's Real Estate, and Forsyth Bar. So, so capturing, I guess, sort of origination and, and capital raising as well w- with those two entities in New Zealand. And look, it's it's been, um, I guess, challenging through COVID. Um, New Zealand had one of the sort of stiffest lockdowns in the world, maybe behind Melbourne. Um, so it was. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes, I was going to yeah, say uh, we're competing. Yeah. <laughs> Big time, and and I think um, I think there were there were some challenges with that. Um, some transactions were done, but I guess um, I see my role as as further uh, you know expanding that and and the growth of the business. I think the um, the non bank market certainly for commercial property finance in New Zealand is in its infancy. Um, there are some um, you know it's quite a fragmented market. There's no sort of institutional player. In the market here at the moment, similar to what we've got in, sorry, which is very different to what we've got in Australia with sort of four, you know, three or four key uh, participants in that institutional space. So, yeah, it's, um, I think the time is right to, to return and, and um, assist the growth of, um, of, the, of the MaxCap New Zealand brand. Mm. You talked about, you know, the the market being in its infancy and I do, you know, sort of read about what's happening in New Zealand and I there's commentary that, you know, Australia, we, we saw that um, the, the evolution of the non-bank leading uh, market as well and there's talks that New Zealand's probably, you know, about two or three years behind that um, in that sense. Um, so prior to, you know, that, and you also said, uh, there's not much activity in terms of from institution. So for le- for developers right now, in terms of getting finance, what is that like? Um, yeah, look, it's very difficult. And before I moved mm. back 
from Australia to New Zealand, I would have said it was two to three years behind as well, Nelson. But now I've been right. here a little bit. I think it's probably five to six years behind. And and the reason I say wow. that is because there isn't yeah. um, significant institutional capital in this market um, in in this space where where there where there is in Australia, you know, very substantial and only mm. growing. And it will it will eventually um, come here. But a lot of the non-bank lenders here are quite small. Um, uh, in relative speaking, it's a lot of sort of, you know, private money. So it makes it very difficult. And a lot of them are full, or most of them are full at the moment in terms of, you know, a lot would be average size of funds, say 300 million, and, and they're all uh, fully deployed at the moment. So it's very difficult for New Zealand developers to get access to, to that type of capital. Um, th- throw that with you know aggressive increase of, of interest rates, um, you know a very slow pre-sale market, um, it, it, it makes it very challenging, and and the capital requirements placed on New Zealand banks is is, is only getting heavier than what it is in Australia as well. So, um, you know it's the same, I guess, thesis that that we had in Australia, non-bank lending that of you know banks pulling back, losing market share, all those type of things are, are, are playing out. Mm. Um, you know, probably a lot heavier in New Zealand, which therein lies the opportunity. Absolutely. I, I think when you mentioned that, I looked at, um, you know, the, the requirements for the traditional banks to hold onto more capital. Um, that has now opened up, obviously, the opportunities for non-bank lenders to step in. Um, and as you said, a lot of the capital is already deployed. So there's demand there, isn't there, for... The demand is huge. That's not the um, that's mm. not the problem at the moment. The the um, it's the supply of capital that's the problem. And mm. you know, economics one hundred and one teaches us when you've got um, you know higher <laughs> demand and and less supply, prices go up, and that's what's happened. And you know, your return, you know, the the returns that non bank lenders receive in New Zealand compared to Australia are quite significant. Sometimes up to two hundred basis points higher for a like-for-like, right. um, you know, loan in New Zealand, um, which is quite astounding, really, given the the mm. market typically plays out, in, you know, fundamentally in a very similar way. Absolutely. And, and this was sort of now you, you mentioned earlier, the uh, the interest rates are going up, aggressive, you know, uh, increasing. I think recently it was a bumper uh, 0.75. It was. Also, sorry, 75 basis points. Yeah, mm. just last Wednesday. What... what yeah, so what impact will that have on the uh, on the market, the commercial property market, and on lending? Yeah, it was so we had a the the cash rate is just hit four point two five, and I guess the the announcement that came out last Wednesday by the Reserve Bank of New Zealand was that um, I don't think the rate rise surprised people. It was probably where the Reserve Bank see the cash rate peaking, and that was lifted from. Probably high fours. I think it was, you know, you know, four seventy five to five to now five and a half. So you know, mm-hmm. there's potential there, and and I think people are kind of pricing in another seventy five point rate rise the next time they meet, which is February. So, um, you know, that that's a scary proposition for not just commercial property holders, but also residential property holders as well. As as a lot of people come off um, very low and record low fixed rates, but you know, in the 
in the commercial property sector, look, that's that's going to play out next year at, at some stage. <laughs> um, you know, interest cover ratio, what I termed as, as a handbrake, was was probably off for for lenders through COVID with record low rates. But that that handbrake is certainly back on at the moment, and um, I think we're going to see a number of breaches um, right through all asset classes, commercial, industrial, mm-hmm. retail, um, as you know, if you've bought assets in the last two to three years, um, you know, on on fairly sharp yields and and we're relying on sort of low cost of of debt capital, uh, whether it's bank or non bank, um, I, I think those ICR covenants are going to come under real pressure, and we're either going to see a, a fair few refinancing or um, uh, you know we're going to see some equity, um, the need for equity introduced into a lot of those transactions or you know opportunities for for groups like maxcap to come in and, and refinance and, and potentially not ask for as much of an equity repatriation to to, to bring those icr covenants back in line um, look we haven't seen it yet mm. there's probably significant cash reserves and in, in a lot of these corporates that are able to 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 um you know to to service loans um, but I do think we're going to see um, a lot of properties come to market in the new year, people offloading sort of non-core assets that they're not required to to get access to that equity to be able to sort of pay down some debt. So just hasn't happened quite yet, but I am expecting that to come in the, in the new year, in the first six months of next year. MaxCap Group is one of Australia's leading commercial real estate financiers. Since inception in 2007, they have originated and managed $14.5 billion across more than 490 investments spanning all real estate sectors and across the full capital stack. Now, I want to look at the different New Zealand markets. Obviously, you know, for our listeners in New Zealand and also in Australia. Um, can you give us a sort of a, what's happening, trends, the outlooks, what's happening in resi, uh, commercial, hotel, industrial? Yeah, sure. And I, I do think you do need to to, to break them up as you have done. Um, mm. One thing I will say that I was, was quite noticeable moving from Australia to New Zealand was just how bearish people were on the market. Um, the property market as, right. as a whole, and I think that's got largely to do with um, New Zealand is at least six months ahead um, of the interest rate cycle in terms of um, you know where, where the cash rate is and where sort of you know BBSW or, or BKBM, um, which is the, the same reference rate in New Zealand, is. Um, so we, we're just a little bit further down down that track and. And people can see that we're heading towards, you know, potentially, you know, residential rates of, you know, circa seven and a half, eight percent, which has just been unheard of for for quite a long time. Mm. The, the the base rate has been very low for such a long time. So, look, the New Zealand residential market, um, look, uh, depends on who you who you read and who you trust as your as your data source. But but that market potentially could be down anywhere between 50 and, and 30% off its peak. Um, it was quite a high peak, so there's probably enough room for it to come down. And, you know, even if it's down 20%, it's still back to where we were at the onset of COVID. So it's certainly not yes. the end of the world, in in, in my opinion. Um, but it does, it does create a sentiment issue where people thought their, 
their um their personal balance sheet were X and they're they're, they're probably Y and and that's going to take some time to play out given what I said before mortgage rates have um have yet to peak. Um, we we had a housing deficit um in New Zealand um similar to what's sort of playing out and and certainly in Sydney anyway. But that's probably turned at the moment to a bit of a bit of a surplus, largely due to just the lack of buyer pools. Um, houses are spending longer on the market. I think it's around 48, 49 days to sell at the moment, where I think the, the average is probably 38, 39. So it's it's you know significantly longer to sell than um, just in my own research. Just just seeing you know properties that I think would sell are probably selling you know at auction for for probably 20% under what what I think they'd go for. So. That's the the resi market. I um, look, there isn't a, a lot of new stock being delivered in the market, so that's always going to help. And I think once we do see interest rates stabilise and um, you know people have a little bit more certainty in, in what they're going to be paying, I, look, I, I do think that will will return. I think we're twelve months of a little bit of heartache for people as they get used to higher interest rates, but that will help sort of getting inflation under control. For um, mm. commercial assets, look, I think there's some there's some challenges there. I uh, going to what I said earlier. I, we're already starting to see a couple of overseas banks um, pushing out a couple of of borrowers because they're you know breaching ICR covenants and they can't see how they're going to to get back in order. So I, I do think that market's in for a bit of a challenge. Um, you know, new new commercial office leases and talking about will 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 be hard to. Um, Hard to gain, and, and um, projects, you know, certainly office projects might be a little bit difficult to um, to get up and running. Uh, industrial look, it's been the darling of the market, both in Australia and New Zealand. There's been some, yes, there's been some been. very, very sharp mm. yields um, transacted. Um, look, as I said, we don't have a lot of transaction um, data to go on. Certainly this year, um, in terms of where transactions are at, so. Look, I think I think yields have to be out, sort of fifty, seventy-five, a hundred basis points. Um, you know, towards the middle of next year. Um, you know, just chatting to a few agents from all from all agencies that you know with 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 product they've got in the market. You know, there some of these assets probably would have sold on on mid four yields. You know, twelve months ago, they're now getting offers at sort of sixes, yes. sevens, sometimes even eights. You know, so. Just shows yeah. you where it's where it's heading, and you know, vendors may choose not to sell at that point if they've got the ability to hang on to them. But it just shows you where people's heads are at for for these type of assets. Look, hotels, they're again not really trading. We had quite a large one trade in in Auckland recently. It was it was traded on price, and look, um, I think the hotel markets. If you if you try to get a hotel in New Zealand over through December and January. Um, you're you're going to be out of luck because they're all full. So the bounce back in that tourism yes. in New Zealand has been um, has been greater than expected, which is great for for a country like New Zealand, where one of their biggest exports is tourism. So um, that that market seems to be holding now, up very well. Yeah, you, you were mentioning with Resi, um, you know that there's the sort of you know that it, it, it bodes well in terms of supply that you know that there's currently. Um, uh, demand there, and I'm just thinking too: is New Zealand does sorry does New Zealand have the same issues for labour shortages that we're facing in Australia? Yeah, absolutely, it does. Um, mm. And um, 
and our immigration settings are um, are quite low as well. So there's not there's not a lot of people coming right. in to, to 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 fill that void at the moment. So look, that's a um, that's an issue right across all industries. Um, you know, whether you're in retail, hospitality, construction. Um, yeah, it's it's, mm. it's a very big problem. Um, and it's yeah. I, look, I I do think that will that will um, sort of even itself out over the next probably twelve to eighteen months. But yeah, it's going to be still a fair bit of pain as the you know as the Reserve Bank sort of lifts interest rates to try and curb inflation. You know, cause a recession. Um, you know, cause mm. unemployment to go up, which, which will put some more. Um, uh, people back into to the workforce and, and look to it sort of and maybe a change in career, but um, you know it is that that shortage is going to be there for another at least twelve eighteen months in my view. Mm. And you talked about um, earlier the yields. Um, you know, a year ago they were around fours, and now we're looking at six and eight percent. So, in terms, what does that mean for valuations uh, in New Zealand right now for property valuations? Uh, right now, it doesn't mean a lot because value is. You know, can mm-hmm. only work off historical data, really. So any 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 right. drop in yes. value is 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 sort of a sentiment drop. So, and that's what mm. we're in this sort of strange time. And it's probably quite good for everyone to be going away on their summer holidays through the back end of December and January because um, nothing's actually mm. transacted. So look, you know, everyone's saying it's going to fall, but nothing's actually transacted yet. So everyone's sort of speculating as to how much and when and. Um, so until we see sort of significant volume of transactions, we're not going to see that those losses actually crystallise, um, or, right. or those drop in values crystallise. But you know, evidence would suggest, and historical data would suggest that when you get such aggressive rate rising like we've had, um, you know, it's 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 going to have an impact on your valuation for sure. Yeah, it is quite interesting. You mentioned that there's just nothing transacting. Um, I did a podcast recently with um, MSCI where they, I think they, well, they gave me a preview of their um, transactions in Australia and the Q4 in 2021 was around 20 billion plus. Um, But right now they're only tracking, I mean, as we record this podcast, we're only two, three weeks from Christmas Mm. um, and they're tracking so far only $3 billion in Q4 oh, wow. uh, of deals. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems like everyone's in that holding pattern. Very, um, very much. And just waiting to see. Very much so. Um, you know, mm. no one's really in buy mode. If they are, they're looking for a bargain. Um, no one's really selling unless they absolutely have to. And, and everyone who is mm. an owner is, is sort of sitting on their hands and, and weathering the storm at the moment. Mm, absolutely. Now, I think um, this is another topic that is, uh, you know, very big in Australia, and I suppose it will be too in New Zealand, which is construction mm. costs. Um, what's happening there? Look, we've seen obviously a, a, a big spike in construction costs, similar to I was sort of living and breathing it, um, you know, in, in the first part of this year in, in Sydney. And um and that's mm-hmm. no different in in New Zealand. It's it's probably exacerbated here, um, given you know the extra shipping and, and we don't actually produce a lot of um, our own materials here as well. But we are starting to see a little bit of light at the end of that tunnel. We are starting to see that settle down. The supply chains um, 
mm. um, come out and I can I can just base it on the amount of ships that are coming into to Auckland Harbour. That's you know the the, the ports right on in downtown here in Auckland, and you know it is quite substantial. So um, look, I I do think that has, that part of it has peaked. Um, that's just that's mm-hmm. just my personal opinion. Um, but um, you know we're starting to see that that level out a little bit. We're starting to see shipping you know, certainly reducing costs. Um, we're starting to see, you know, s- some of the supply and even hearing reports of, you know, a little bit of oversupply coming because people have sort of over-ordered to not get caught and, and now they've got too much and, and need to store it. So, yeah, my view on that is it's peaked and, and starting to come back a little bit. And, you know, I think there's going to there's not going to be the, the starts of construction projects that we've seen over the last few years. So I think once we, you know, a lot of the right. stuff rolls off, we're going to see builders um you know really bidding aggressively for work sort of come the middle of next year as well so that that will certainly help too MaxCap Group is one of Australia's leading commercial real estate financiers. Since inception in 2007, they have originated and managed $14.5 billion across more than 490 investments spanning all real estate sectors and across the full capital stack. Now, I want to look at sort of in the market you talked about earlier with, you know, demand versus supply. Um, what's happening with uh, on, on that side, you know, whilst interest rates are going up and it's putting pressure on obviously on borrowers. Um, but does that mean have we seen demand sort of come down a bit um, or have people still sort of, you know, thinking, well, I, I still want to get in the market, I still want to buy, whether, you know, whether it's commercial or racy? Yeah, look, there's still there's still buyers in the market, both mm. both in commercial and resi. Um, people are, you know, there's a lot of people that I speak to, investors, developers, that, that are sitting on, on significant cash. Um, and you know these are sort of high net worths and 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 local developers here. But there's there's also you've only got to look at a, a report that I read the other day that I think it was a US report that there was something like two hundred and fifty billion worth of dry powder um, in in some of these real estate groups that are, that are waiting to, you yeah. know to, to to peak. And that was just the US. So you can only imagine what that number is globally. So. Unlike what we saw in the GFC, there's there's significant liquidity at the moment to to to, to trade on these assets. Um, it's just people are, are are making sure they want to trade at the right price and um, mm. not necessarily get a bargain as such, um, but you know making sure that it, you know it makes sense for their you know in, in investment horizon. So um, you know I, I do think there's the demand there, but. But, but owners of these assets are probably just not willing to sell at the moment. So this, this, probably the demand is probably outweighing that or, or the vendor expectations is probably just far exceeding where, where the demand expectations or a purchaser expe- expectations is, yeah. Mm. And now I want to turn to um, the opportunities in the marketplace. Um, obviously, in Australia, we've seen a lot of um, asset repositioning, mm-hmm. particularly for older office stock, um, as we've seen, tenants are leading that you know that that charge, and they want better spa- better space, um, you know, higher quality um, and sustainable sustainability. So, what's happening there in New Zealand for uh, 
you know, opportunities in asset repositioning or value adding. Yeah, look, it's a it's a big market here as well. And, you know, especially in the mm. commercial office space, particularly in Auckland, we've seen a real um, shift to sort of the bottom end of, of, of Queen Street, um, what, what, what Auckland calls a commercial bay um, area where you've got sort of your A-grade tenants and taking up, you know, new office space and, and new buildings, uh, sort of environmentally friendly um, buildings as well, so that that that's fairly high demand. The probably the the environmental side of things is probably a little bit behind where um, Australia is, with you know government leases needing to be on certain you know neighbours ratings and, and green star ratings as well. Yes. So that's probably a little bit behind. You know, the New Zealand if New Zealand government's taking a lease, they have to take a, an environmentally friendly building if it's available, but it's not compulsory. So there's there's a little bit of room to go in there. But but it is you know that 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 trend is is only going to snowball. So um that that asset repositioning is is going to be huge over the next ten years um, to get some of these mm. off you know B C grade office buildings either repositioned um, into other asset classes, residential or whatever, or or, or um, sorry repurposed into into residential or, or other. Um, other assets, or or get them repositioned and get them brought into line with 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 current practices. So um, I do see that we mm. are starting to see a bit of that opportunity um, come through, and we're seeing sort of active, you know, owners of these properties really starting to pour some capital into it at the moment um, to to try and get them up to speed. So so that will come. Um, I do think build to rent. Uh, will be a, a factor in New Zealand over the next ten to fifteen years. It probably does need a little bit of um, tax reform to really um, to really take off. But you know, again, I think probably Australia is probably five years ahead of New Zealand in that, and, and Australia's got a long way to go to, to really get that asset class up and running yes, properly. We do. Um, so yeah, those are mm. probably the opportunities. But um, yeah, probably in the near term, it's 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 probably um, for, for MaxCap especially, it's probably just um, funding a lot of um, you know, assets and borrowers that have just fallen outside of bank appetite, you know, due to for whatever mm. reason, an ICR blimp or a, or, or a slight LVR breach. So that's certainly where I see the opportunities in the near term. What about when we talk about asset repositioning, um, of it, I'm not sure, but it's like in New Zealand, but obviously in Australia, there's been, you know, the traditional lenders don't want to take on the leasing risk. Um, is is that the same in New Zealand? Yeah, for um, it's ex- you're yeah. right. It's exactly the same, unless there's you know it's it's you know income generating or has significant income on the property. Mm. Banks just don't want to touch it, and and therein lies the the opportunity, really. Opportunity. Yeah. And yeah. we, I did a lot of this type of lending, um, you know, in a in a, in a previous role in Sydney, and and it, and it was very successful. Yeah, and uh, you touched on also built to rent too. That's which is quite interesting. In in Australia, we're now seeing the, that of evolution where it was originally discussed. Where you know, or, or sorry, the first few products introduced were apartments, but now we're seeing more low, more medium density, um, and now the super funds are getting in. Actually, um, just this week, AXA uh, in IM alternative real estate. Um, announced that they were focusing on social housing mm. uh, built to rent. So there's definitely a lot of opportunities there for multi, you know, different types of built to rent products. I think, um, yeah. So hopefully we'll see more developments there no, I, uh, in Australia and in New Zealand. Yeah, look, it's mm. a um, 
I think it's almost a cultural thing as well, like Australians uh, yes. that are, you know, you know, city dwelling Australians are, you know, quite happy living in apartments and, you know, having that densification in New Zealand. We've we've all sort of grown up with it with a backyard and you know a single level or double story house on a on a, um, you know, a quarter acre section as we call it here, a quarter acre block in Australia, and and you know everyone's had a had a good time and you know you know buying a, an apartment in the in the middle of the CBD just doesn't quite mm. work for them yet but you know the more kind of we get this increase in in, in housing costs it, it starts to make more and more sense but i think there needs to be a bit of a cultural shift first um, to that sort of densification and people understanding that your first house might be an apartment rather than a three bedroom sort of villa in a in a suburb of Auckland um, so i think but that will, will change over time as well. Certainly, um, I think even in Australia, there are some challenges for people to rent yeah. to roll out in cities outside of Melbourne and That's Sydney. Right. Um, because, yeah, even if you're in Brisbane or in Adelaide, for example, you, growing up, you know, apartments are so different for you. It's, it's one of those things, particularly Adelaide. Yeah. Um, it's not a yeah, natural thing. Now, I think this is the question you probably will get asked a lot in your role since you, you you've moved from Oz and then into New Zealand um, so in your observations in your new role what are the sort of similarities between Australia or differences between the Australian and New Zealand markets and and what you know what what sort of things have you seen that as you mentioned earlier um, New Zealand's a lot more bearish right now so yeah Keen to share what's happening? Yeah, I do get asked it a lot, particularly from um, <laughs> particularly from developers and property investors. You know, what's the what are the trends happening in Australia? Largely due to capital flow, more than anything. I think people can sort of keep pace with you know the actual property trends um, themselves mm-hmm. through through various data sources, through agencies or, or, or newspapers. But it's probably the capital flow of um, you know, debt capital or, or equity capital to, you know, for JVs and, and, and whatnot. So that's, um, mm. and, I, and I guess the, the number one observation I'd say is that the depth of capital in New Zealand is a lot lighter. Um, in Australia, you could, you know, if you've got a, a half decent project or a half decent asset, you could, you know, it's highly likely you could get it funded in Australia somewhere, you know, and, and be paying a, a rate, you know, at a bank rate of say five percent, or you might be paying a, a non-bank rate, depending on the risk of it, at fifteen percent. You know, so you could get mm-hmm. funded. There's just not that depth of capital in New Zealand, and um, you know, the refinance market is a lot shallower. Um, you know, you know, if you know, we wanted to, to push a borrower out, and when I working in, in Sydney, you could probably just say, hey, look, we're not going to roll your facility over, and and they could go away and, and find another lender and get that refinance, and it was all very straightforward. Now that might be slightly different now, but you know the depth mm. of capital is a lot a lot deeper in Australia, and there's just just a lot more money. So that's probably the the key difference. Um, and yeah, probably a, a sentiment thing. It was probably the, the the second one as I've noticed is, and that's probably where, as I said before, where we are in the interest rate cycle. But everyone's just a lot more. Um, bearish on on the on the property market here and 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 probably the global economy as a whole really um you know it's an election year next year um potentially a change of government might help um similar to what happened in australia 
last year, you know, mm. a change of government, a fresh face, whatever side of politics you're on, you know, a fresh face always helps. So, you know, there's a lot of heat towards the government here in New Zealand at the moment. And, you know, I dare say a change and, you know, a fresh set of ideas may certainly help that towards the back end of next year for sure. Mm. Now, I think uh, the final question I'm going to ask you is obviously being in New Zealand that you've lived in Sydney, um, are you happy to be black? Uh, so back to supporting the All Blacks? Uh, <laughs> Look, I never stopped supporting the All Blacks, any any friend yes. or someone I came into contact with. But, um, yeah, no, my heart has always been um, firmly New Zealander. Um, my head is probably... But you would have been in the, amongst the gold and green and gold army before, but now you can be amongst the All Black army. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I have to admit, mm. I will miss my AFL. Um, and attending yes. attending Swans games, um, but um, oh, but I have been t- sure. I have been told that all games are televised here, so I, I look forward to watching a few games on TV. And there might be a few games that they'll send to New Zealand. No, there are. They um, cover so every game, which is quite good. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I won't miss a game, and I do look forward to potentially getting over to to Sydney and Melbourne and seeing the teams there and, and attending a couple, certainly attending a Swans game. Um, that's for sure. That I'd like yeah. to do that once a year, but that's probably the the key thing I'll miss and uh, and Bondi Beach that's for sure <laughs> oh yes yes definitely Sydney's got one of the best beaches and I'm a Melbourneian and I have to admit Sydney does have great beaches it does they'll be missed well yes thank you very much Nick for joining us and sharing your insights into what's happening in New Zealand no problem look thanks for having me and um, thanks everyone for listening <laughs>